My plan was to go ahead and look at Psalm 86 tonight, but through um, just several um, unforeseen changes to uh, to my schedule, we are not going to do that. If you uh, if you know me very well, you know I like schedules. I like predictability. If we did Psalm 84 last time, you probably thought Psalm 85 this time, and that's the way I like it. But man makes his plans and the Lord directs his steps no matter how strictly he tries to stay to his own schedule. So several uh, several things have uh, um, uh, made me come face to face with the fact that God doesn't care about my, my uh, weekly scheduled events. And so um, Psalm 86 was just not something that I could get to and do justice to this week. Um, and so I want to do what I had already been thinking about doing this, and we do this typically in uh, years past as we get closer to camp and get closer to the events that lead, uh, that the summer moves into. And so I just want to bring some encouragement um, in different ways that we should be, can be, and should be praying for the events that we will move into this summer. You know, um, uh, every summer, uh, for the, at least for the last 10 years, uh, we have a number of events that we uh, not only work to host, but also that we attend and that we try to um, give our young people opportunities to attend. So with, with a busy summer ahead, we want to make sure that we're praying for the Lord's blessings. Um, as I just think about what those, what those are, uh, we have camp, obviously. Uh, the preparations that go into that. We already mentioned the Sunday before, the Sunday after. We have more opportunity than, than normal to serve people outside of this assembly who are here. Um, Fight of Faith is in June. It's we're, we're, This is the 10-year anniversary of that, and that's been a tremendous blessing to us and to our young folks over the years. Salt and Light is going to be in July, and then we mentioned already some will be going to Harmony Hill. There's always summer meetings, and so with that being said, um, we have plenty of activity. At least we have plenty of opportunities for activities, and uh, we want to bathe those things in prayer. We don't want to just assume that simply because we're having these, or simply because they've gone well in the past, or because for some, or, uh, because they're attended. Um, that the Lord is blessing or um, that even that He's pleased. And so we want to pray for God's blessings on all of these, not just that He would bless the events themselves, but I want us to think about our prayers, and this is primarily going to hit on camp. I want us to think about our prayers as being um, uh, prayers that would uh, prepare our hearts and our minds to serve in these kingdom opportunities that we have. So I'm just going to mention four tonight. We could obviously do more than this. I'm going to look first in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. In verse 17, it says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, 
do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Prayer number one is uh, that we would pray, or we should be praying, that we would have a thankful attitude for the ministry opportunities that the Lord has entrusted to us. Thankful attitude for the ministry opportunities that the Lord has entrusted to us. Um, you know this already if you've been around very long. We This assembly stays very busy with preparations for camp. We stay very busy with um, labors that are uh, that go on throughout the week of camp. And it's no surprise, that's just the way it is. Um, and if we're not careful, we can begin to resent some of that. We can begin to get cynical about some of that. But here's the reality, brothers and sisters. There are a lot of churches in a lot of places that exist in isolation and have no real opportunities for fellowship and for service in the kingdom. Aren't you thankful we're not one of them? And when I say that, I'm not saying that because somehow we've been smart enough to position ourselves. I say that in the sense of God has blessed us with the opportunity to be in the just in the proximity that we are to camp uh, to be able to labor and to be able to serve and to be able to be a blessing to a group of people. And it's not just, although it would be fine if this were the case, it's not just a blessing in the sense that we get to serve in some kind of a capacity, but we get to serve people who are many will take their only week off this year to come to camp to be saturated in Bible study and fellowship and encouragement in growth and grace and in the kingdom, the Lord has put that in our own backyard so that we don't have to search for opportunities. They've just kind of fallen in our lap at this point. Brothers and sisters, that's a blessing. and We ought to be thankful for that. Now, when we think about being thankful and trying to have a thankful attitude for these ministry opportunities, we have to acknowledge, number one, that ministry, okay, the word ministry just means to serve. Okay, So we're talking about service and we're talking about ministry. We're talking about the same thing semantically. Ministry requires labor. Well, how come you don't look so surprised? Because sometimes we act surprised when that ends up being the case, Right? Ministry requires labor. Labor requires effort and sacrifice. And that's just the nature of ministry. It doesn't matter what it is that you are or what area that you're involved in. But, but what we must do, if we would maintain and we would cultivate a thankful attitude, is we must remember who our labors are for. Who our labors are for. Isn't it something that Jesus said that it was, a, it was a good thing. He was pleased with just the simple act of giving someone a cup of cold water in his name. I wonder if he's pleased with someone who picks up sticks and rakes up leaves in his name. I wonder if he's pleased with somebody who changes out a full trash bag in his name. And we could go on and on and on and on. I wonder if he's pleased with someone who labors in a kitchen in his name. Well, I don't think we have to wonder. We know. Of course he is. 
Christ is pleased whenever we serve His people in His name. And so, number one, if we would seek to do this with a thankful attitude, we have to remind ourselves again and again that we are seeking to serve the Lord. And we may not please anybody else, but we want the same attitude that Paul had in 2 Corinthians 5.9 when he said he made it his aim or his goal, his ambition to please Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, we have that opportunity. Secondly, as we minister in these various areas over the summer, but again, we're primarily thinking about camp because outside of camp, aside from you know, driving to places and things like that, our, our, uh, our labors are not as intense. Secondly, we, we have to remember that we are seeking to serve fellow believers. We're seeking to serve. We're seeking to build up. We're seeking to, to uh, facilitate fellowship and accommodate fellowship among brothers and sisters in Christ. And then third, as we pray that we would have thankful attitudes and the ministry opportunities that are presented and that the Lord has entrusted to us, we have to remember we're seeking to serve our children and our grandchildren. What that means is, our num- you notice on the whole on the on the list, we only named three, but we could keep on naming them. You'll notice that on that list, not one of those said we're seeking to make sure that we're having fun. Nothing wrong with fun, but if that's our main goal, a thankful attitude probably will not accompany that if it requires service. We're seeking to make investments. And we're seeking to be good stewards of, don't, don't miss the language of the, of, the, of the first statement there, good stewards of the opportunities that the Lord has entrusted us with. You realize these kinds of blessings, these kinds of opportunities, they come from God. They're blessings from God. And God could take those and give those to whoever He wants to give them to. So brothers and sisters, I want to be thankful and have a thankful attitude for the uh, ministry opportunities that we have in His kingdom. But we know this. We know that we're human. We know that we wrestle with the flesh. And so um, we should go ahead and start praying for that now. Start praying for that now. Secondly, we need to be praying that God would bless our labors. We need to be praying that God would bless our labors. Look in Psalm 127. Psalm 127, verse 1, Except the Lord build the house... They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. You know this verse. Most of you are familiar with this verse. But essentially what's being communicated here is that we are completely dependent upon the Lord. We we do want to labor with a thankful attitude, but we also want to labor with a dependent attitude. We want to work and we want to labor and we want to do what falls under our realm of responsibility, but part of what falls under our realm of responsibility is praying for God's blessing. 
None of us can manufacture, none of us can make the Holy Spirit show up and bless anything that happens, but God can. None of us can make sure that um, the, um, the, the preaching and the teaching and the Bible studies and the conversations and the fellowship produces growth and, those, and edification and those kinds of things in the hearts and lives of the believers, but, but the Lord can. And so we want to make sure that we're praying that God would bless these labors. You know, it's uh, different people have different personality types and different um, different outlooks. Some of us are just content with being busy. And I would be one of those people, just to be honest with you. If I'm busy, I'm okay. If I've got something to do, I'm okay. Well, being busy is not enough. Lewis could never stay busy enough to really accomplish anything in God's kingdom outside of God's blessing, and neither could you. And so James 4.2 tells us that we have not because we ask not, and we do not want to neglect asking God to bless our efforts. We do not want our efforts to just be a hamster wheel that we're running on 100 miles an hour and never getting anywhere. Okay, We can't be content with that mentality. We must ask the Lord to bless our labors. And expect that he will, really. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you want to turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. One of the blessings of camp is all the, uh, all the messages that are brought, the morning devotions, the uh, afternoon Bible studies, the evening services. If you've been able to enjoy uh, weeks at camp, then you know the blessing of what it means to just be saturated in the Word just by, really by proximity. I mean, you're just, proximity, you're just there, and, and it's happening a lot. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're reminded of a reality here, starting in verse 5, Paul says, who then is Paul and who is Apollos? but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. So what do we, what do we pray for here? Well, we pray that God would give the increase as he wills. You know, you know this, and again, we mentioned it earlier, but camp has made more life-changing impacts on people than we could recall. Okay, and your pastor is one of those people. You realize if it weren't for camp, I would not be here. Or maybe I should say it this way. God decided to use camp to get me here. Okay, we'll say it that way. Um, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, we stepped foot on uh, this facility that was out in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of people that we did not know, not knowing that in a few days I would meet my future wife and within a few months I'd be moving to a place that I didn't even know existed, Ripley, Mississippi. Okay, we could go on and on and on. You want to know why that happened? Well, I can't tell you all the reasons, but I can tell you a few It happened because in the Lord's mercies, in the Lord's mercies, 
trying to think of the best way to say this, and I guess I'll just say it this way. In the Lord's mercies, he knew that it would be good for me to be here. It also happened because in the Lord's mercies, he knew at some point, two years ago, this church was going to need a pastor to call. And so he decided to start turning the wheels on that 20 years ago. Isn't that something? Now, I'm not saying, aren't I something? I'm saying, isn't God something? It's amazing how he works. You want to know how we got Brother Jimmy here? Camp. Okay. If you don't like Jimmy, don't work at camp. Okay. <laughs> But we love Brother Jimmy, and we're glad he's here, and camp's the reason he's here, same as me. And we could go on and talk about different people and different ways that the Lord has orchestrated these kinds of things. Brothers and sisters, when we're asking God to bless our labors, we're not simply saying, would you bless Brother so-and-so to preach a barn burner on Tuesday night? We're asking God to use the labors of, of, of our hands in His kingdom to bring about His will, whatever that means and whatever areas that means. Now, obviously, we do want the, uh, the Word to be proclaimed, but we're talking about providential dealings that are far beyond our foresight, things that we couldn't predict. So we want to pray that God would, that God would work, that God would bless we want to pray the Ephesians 3.20 kinds of prayers that God would do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. So number one, let's be praying that we would have a thankful attitude for the ministry opportunities that the Lord has entrusted to us. Number two, let's be praying that God would bless our labors. Number three, Let's pray that we would encourage one another both in the season and in the service opportunities that we have been given. That we would encourage one another in the season and service opportunities that we've been given. You know, the first prayer was that we would have thankful attitudes um, uh, for the uh, opportunities we've been given. Well, a lot of times... In many ways, some of the strongest influences that we have over our attitudes are those that we're interacting with in those moments. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us this. Here's the encouragement. It's in relation to not forsaking the assembly, but the, the principle here still stands true. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we said that obviously this is in the context of not forsaking the assembly, but brothers and sisters, as an assembly, as we have these opportunities to serve, we want to, we want to try to provoke, to stir up one another to love and to good works. We want to do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, just in the congregation here, there are many different people in many different seasons of life with many different capacities for what they can do. And that's the way it'll always be. There, there are some who will experience camp for the first time this year as an adult, and it's going to be different. There are some who will experience camp this year with small children, and it's going to be different. It's going to be difficult. It may not be the first time you've done it, but it's still going to be difficult. 
there are some who will um, who will move through these um, uh, through camp with um, all adult children for the first time. Again, that's going to be different. That's going to affect your capacity to be able to serve and so forth and so on. Well, well, here's the point. We want to encourage one another to serve well in whatever season we're in. Okay, so there are some who wish that they could spend lots of time in service to those visitors who will be at camp, but you have two, three, four, and five-year-olds. This is not your season for primarily serving those who will come in. This is your season to serve your children. Now, here's the thing about seasons. They change. The good news is they change. The bad news is there's always another challenge that arrives with a new season. So so it's, it's serving where we are with the opportunities that we have. Now, one of the ways that we can, one of the provisions, one of God's gracious provisions to help keep, um, challenges from festering into deep discouragements is the fellowship that we have with one another, the encouragement that we can receive from one another. And so, brothers and sisters, one of the things that we ought to be praying for ourselves and opportunities that we ought to be looking for uh, as far as encouragement goes is to encourage one another to serve in whatever season and whatever capacity we have with humility. Now, that may seem kind of strange, but when we look at Philippians 2, you'll understand why I'm saying that. One thing that you'll notice about Jesus if you watch his life and you read about his time on earth um, throughout the four Gospels, number one, there's no doubt he was a servant. Jesus served. Number two, he was never picky about who he served. Okay, he served whoever was in front of him. The opportunities that God brought about is where he functioned. It's where he served. And so using him as an example, look in Philippians chapter 2 as we think about the kind of encouragement we need both in our mindset and our attitudes and and what we want to encourage in one another. By encourage, I don't mean a long lecture. I just mean an encouragement. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. I'm going to stop there. We learned seven things about humility in this passage, and we're just going to kind of bullet point those. We could stay here and for a long time, but... That's not for this evening. Number one, humility is an attitude or a state of mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Why do I say that? Because sometimes people look at humility and they think it's some sort of a 
um, some sort of a spirit that should overcome you or overtake you. You, you somehow passively uh, stumble into humility, and that's just not the case. Humility is a mindset. Humility is an attitude that we cultivate. We'll see some specifics about that in just a minute. You'll notice as the passage goes on, referring to Christ, it says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. The first specific here is that humility lays down personal rights. Jesus had the right. There was nothing wrong with the idea that he was equal with God. Okay. He was in the form of God. He was, he was the Son of God. But what we're going to find is that whenever Jesus Christ came to earth to serve, He laid that right aside. He laid it, he laid it down. As a matter of fact, as the text goes on, it will say that He emptied Himself and made Himself nothing. Third, But he made himself of no reputation. Okay. So while humility lays down personal rights, humility is also not worried about what other people think about me. Say, so whether I'm getting recognition or not doesn't matter because I realize the Lord sees my labors. My labor is not in vain. I'm working in his kingdom to his glory. So humility is not worried about what other people think. It says he took upon himself the form of a servant. That's number four. Humility is focused on serving others. The the, the way the passage begins is don't do anything out of pride and selfish ambition. Humility is focused on serving others. Now, we've just gotten really three characteristics in and and, uh, uh, an observation about the fact that humility is a mindset or an attitude. And we can already see why this is such a difficult thing. We need one another, brothers and sisters. We need the encouragement from one another to be able to walk in um, a, a state of humility, to be able to walk in an attitude of humility, because you know as well as I do, it only takes one cross look, it only takes one, um, one word or one lack of affirmation, it only takes one little something for all this to go out the window. And so we need to encourage each other. We need to be praying for one another. Fifth, it says, he was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Okay, the fifth point here about humility is that humility is a choice. You will either choose to walk in humility or you will choose to walk in pride. Whichever one it is, you're going to choose it. Christ humbled himself. Peter tells us to humble ourselves. Okay, so humility here is a choice. Number six, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Sixth point here is that humility is focused on God's will, God's agenda, and God's glory. There's no such thing as humility that has me in the front seat. 
There's no such thing as humility that has my goal, my will, my agenda in the forefront. It just doesn't work that way. So brothers and sisters, we want to walk and serve in the likeness of Christ. And part of that is by making God's agenda our agenda. So those first six describe some pretty difficult things, but number seven says this, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name. What we learn here, we learn that God loves humility and He blesses it. God loves humility. Matter of fact, in Isaiah He says, this is the man that I will look to. The one who has a humble and a contrite heart. And so again, we want to make it our aim to please Him. We want to be praying and encouraging one another to serve in whatever season and whatever opportunities that we've been given to serve. And so just to make a few practical connections here. Number one, do not allow an inordinate desire for comfort and ease to keep you from humbly serving the Lord and the Lord's people when and where you can. And maybe you don't think about it that way the whole all the time, and I don't think about that all the time, but many times this really is the issue. I just want things to go smooth. I want things to go the way I want things to go. What's wrong with things being easy? What's wrong with things being comfortable? Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But brothers and sisters, you know this already. You've never lived a day in your life where your experience has been comfort and ease from sun up to sundown. Am I right about that? Okay, thank you. Don't expect that that's going to change. You've never gone to a camp in your life where everybody was agreeable and pleasant. Am I right about that? So don't expect this year to be any different. You've also never gone to a camp in your life where everybody was groveling over you for serving. Am I right about that? Don't expect this year to be different. Okay? Now, here's the thing. We can chuckle about that and smirk about that while we're on Wednesday night in, in, the, in the building gear. It's a lot harder when we're on Wednesday night of CAM and people are complaining about this, that, and the other. That's where we have to come in and encourage one another. That's where we, have to, that's where we pray for one another. We encourage one another, whatever area that is. What we don't want to happen is we do not want to let, we do not want to allow difficult people and inconvenient circumstances to produce in us a cynical attitude and a grumbling and complaining spirit. We do not want that to happen. And so we just have to, we have to be uh, uh, transparent about the fact that every single one of us are susceptible to that. And we want to pray that the Lord would give us strength not to move into that and would give us help when we're tempted to. All right, number four. Number four. So you see, you if you thought this prayer request was going to be some sort of a sweet, neat, tidy something that didn't affect you at all, you were wrong, weren't you? We just got you on number three. Okay, we got myself too. 
See, these are these are things we really do need to pray. It's not just um, it's not just a nice formal list. It's something that hits us where we are. Now, here's number four. Pray that the Lord would raise up our children and our children's children to carry on these labors that have blessed so many in God's kingdom. Wouldn't it be a blessing if camp was still going on when Christ came back? Yeah, it really would. I mean, that's our desire. One of the things that I, one of the little phrases I typically use whenever I'm trying to rally the troops on camp and I'm giving the uh, uh, kind of the State of the Union of Camp on Thursday is that my goal, my hope is that what we're doing now will be something that Lily's grandchildren and great grandchildren will enjoy. Well, I'm probably not going to be around and Brother. Aaron's probably not going to be around, and Brother Robert, and Brother Reggie, and you know, we're probably not going to be around for the great grandchildren part. And if we are, we're certainly not going to be out there working. So the prayer is that the Lord would bless our children and our grandchildren, that He would raise them up to continue on these labors. Now, as we're praying that, there are some things here that are just. Uh, Well, they're just common sense. We have to make sure we understand these things, though. If we want to see our children carry on these labors in the future, we must help them get involved now. We should not expect that whenever it's time for us to um, hang up our hat when it comes to camp, that all of a sudden our children are going to automatically know what to do and how to do it. They're not. And so we must work or, or, or put forth effort in getting them involved now. Give Number one just through giving them the opportunity to enjoy and appreciate and love the blessings of camp. I'll let you in on a secret. You want to know why I came back to camp the second time? Because I married Abby after the first time. That's why. Okay. Had that not worked out, I probably wouldn't have been back. It was good. I enjoyed it. But it was hot and it was nasty. And there was a lot of other things that weren't as enjoyable. Um, Uh, enjoyed my time of fellowship, but the reason that I came back um, was because in God's providence, this is where I was. Now, you want to know the reason why I decided to get on the camp board? Because after several years of coming to camp, I completely fell in love with camp. That's why. And year after year, one of the reasons why I've, I've, uh, uh, I've, made Abby a camp widow, along with uh, other ladies here, is that we love camp. Okay? We want to serve. We want to labor. because Not because of, of necessarily what we're receiving during that week, but it's because we love what it is, and we love what it, what it facilitates, and we love what the Lord has done and is doing through the labor there. Well, we want to give our kids the opportunity to love the same thing, and we want to encourage that. And then secondly, we want to help them get involved in taking more responsibilities and so forth and so on. Young folks, I would encourage you, when I say young folks, that's just, you know, if you're 18 or down or even 25 and down, that's who I'm talking to, look for opportunities to serve and to be an encouragement now. Hey, look for opportunities. to If you love camp and you love these opportunities the Lord has given us, be looking for ways to get involved now. We should not take for granted the blessings that the Lord has given us. 
And we also should not assume that the next generation is going to automatically know what to do with them. And so, brothers and sisters, let's prayerfully encourage involvement now that whenever we pass the baton, it might be passed in a way or might be passed to a generation that have been equipped to take it and run with it. And so those are the four prayers. Go back over them just in bullet point fashion. As we move into the summer, particularly as we move into camp, number one, pray that we would have a thankful attitude for the ministry opportunities that the Lord has entrusted us with. Number two, pray that God would bless our labors. Number three, pray that we would encourage one another in the season and service opportunities we've been given. And then number four, let's pray that the Lord would raise up our children and our grandchildren to carry on these labors that have blessed so many in God's kingdom. And so with those four things, brothers and sisters, I would just encourage you over the next two weeks, three weeks, to make those a regular part of your time in prayer.